Welcome to Swanglinese, the only podcast talking the language of business here in the Middle East. Your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Andermo, give you their own insights, as well as interviewing business leaders in the region to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. Barry, Oscar, let's talk Swanglinese. Hello and welcome to another episode of Swanglinese. Today we have the pleasure of being joined by Mahmoud, who is the owner and founder and everything to do with a company called Munchbox.ae. So today's episode is going to be a, a little bit of an insight into uh, Mahmoud's journey. We're in the very lovely surroundings of Park Island in Dubai Marina, so another awesome location for the uh, for the podcast to be recorded from. And welcome to the show, uh, Mahmoud. Thank you, gentlemen. It's my pleasure. It's great to have you on here, and uh, it's a, always an interesting uh, scenario when we meet with new people. We were introduced to you through Wadi, who we in- interviewed previously for The Box, um, and we're really interested to have a, a conversation with you about Munchbox, because I know I've seen the brand around a little bit, and uh, it's always part of what we're trying to do with this podcast is talk to businesses that have been grown on the ground here in the UAE to try and give other potential or aspiring entrepreneurs an insight into the journey. Everybody's journey is different. And uh, we think that by sharing this kind of information, we can perhaps foster the SME environment and encourage other people who are maybe at that point thinking, you know, I want to start my own business or I've got an idea. And uh, as all of us, or us three here have done so is to say, okay, go ahead and do it. But here's a couple of things to consider. So very interested to hear all about Munchbox and uh, Oscar's here by my side. Do you want to get going with this, Oscar? Yeah, so just first quickly in one or two sentences, what is Munchbox? What do you guys do? So Munchbox is a, uh, we are a unique business in the UAE. So uh, we're the first people to uh, offer delivery of healthy snacks to your home and office. Uh, the problem we solve is that of busy professionals who do not have time or effort to prepare uh, or buy healthy snacks during the workday. And they end up either putting extra sugar in their tea or coffee or plowing through the day, through the sugar low, or doing what I used to do, which is steal food from your neighbor's desk <laughs> and hope they don't notice. So uh, that's what we do. Ah, okay, okay. So healthy snacks delivered. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's great. Yeah. Okay. I think it's a fantastic idea for Dubai because everybody is working what seems like 24 hours a day and there just isn't time to consider food sometimes. It's yeah, just you yeah. pick up whatever's close by, you end up picking up things you know you shouldn't be eating, yeah. but you're running between meetings etc etc and suddenly you just think right i've got five minutes i grab something from the shop you don't look at the ingredients and the next thing you know you, you have energy for half an hour and then you crash again and say, oh one more coffee in absolutely yeah. that was that was my problem yeah, yeah. yeah. so what is your background how did you get into this so i used to work for uh, at procter and gamble in uh, brussels uh, then i left uh, i left them came to dubai uh, worked for a major confectionery company uh, where I gained six kilos in the first two months. You know? <laughs> you know, they say the Dubai stone, I, yeah. think I got like the Dubai five stone. <laughs> so uh, I basically, I, I was inflated really quickly. Uh, and I realized that the problem was not the meals, the problem was the snacking between the meals. Mm. So because I really, I watched like a hawk what I, what I put on my lunch plate. Uh, and the fact that in every meeting room has chocolate mm-hmm. doesn't make things easier. Mm-hmm. So I lost the weight through a lot of uh, blood, sweat and tears. <laughs> uh, then I started making my own snacks and taking them to the office, uh. Uh, which again was 
quite a pain. You don't have the time or the effort to do that every day. Mm. Uh, so I googled uh, healthy snacks delivery Dubai. Uh, I didn't find anybody who does it. Mm. Uh, it's either you order a meal mm. uh, or you order the full day's uh, nutrition needs, uh, mm. like certain companies that deliver you the monthly uh, meal plan, which includes snacks. But mm. nobody did only snacks. Mm. And through the search, I realized that there are a lot of companies uh, outside the UAE which have been doing this and only this uh, and have been phenomenally successful. Right. Throughout my corporate career, I've always fantasized uh, during long, boring meetings <laughs> of leaving the corporate world and doing my own thing. Like a lot of people do. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so uh, I, I saw this as my opportunity. Yeah. Uh, so I basically uh, left my job. Uh, which was a very scary decision. Uh, <laughs> then I hired a nutritionist and we started on the Munchbox journey two yeah. years ago. That's amazing. That's awesome. And when you say that, you know, that was a very scary point in time, how, how long was it from the, um, I guess, that first meeting where you were sat there going, I wish I could do my own thing to actually handing in your notice and, and, and knowing that you were going to walk out the door? That's, that's a good question. Uh, so the idea... I, I was quite serious about the idea six months before I resigned. Okay. So, uh, and that's one piece of advice I would give people who work in corporate and want to do their own thing, yeah. is before you jump ship, you need to first do your research. Mm. You need to make sure that, uh, of course, there's no 100% there's no guarantee, but you try as much as possible to earn the right to succeed. Mm. By researching the market, uh, researching your suppliers, who's going to supply me with this stuff, uh, who's going to make the boxes, how am I going to do the branding. Mm. So all of this legwork you need to do while you're in your job. Yes. Uh, then once I felt that this has a shot, mm. I can do it, uh, that's when I, uh, I left my job. Right. Okay. So to the listeners, if you're in the corporate world and you're thinking about starting your own thing, just forget about the brunches and forget about the late nights. Start oh, yeah. working on the weekends on, in the evenings. That's, yeah. uh, for sure, for yeah. sure. I mean... It, I, um, I didn't realize how, uh, how much sacrifice you need to give until I really made the decision to leave mm -hmm. uh, and started to do the legwork. Yeah. Uh, so the weekends, just like you said, you're absolutely spot on. The weekends, they ha something has to give. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can't be going out for brunches, partying Thursday night, uh, mm -hmm. going to the beach on Saturday morning. Uh, and waking up on Sunday and expecting you to have a company formed. Yeah. So it's not going to happen. Yeah. So your social life suffers, uh, your, sometimes your mental health suffers yeah. because yeah. You, you touch burnout uh, mm. throughout the process and you need to be very careful. So you need to do sports, you need mm. to do whatever you need mm. to do to, to avoid that. But uh, yeah, there is a price to pay. Yeah. yeah, there is. And I think that's one of the most important lessons for, for most aspiring entrepreneurs is that sacrifice. Everyone that's gone through it talks about it, but I think it's until you do it, you realize that actually um, you, you may well have to sacrifice social life, relationships. Uh, you, you know, it's an interesting point, point you make about the mental health because even close friends and family notice a change in you because you're so focused on this thing to make it work that in some cases you do come inside yourself to fix it, especially depending on your personality type, you're, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And there has to be balance. I think that's the thing. You, you will have to do that to get to the position where you are as well. 
but you have to be wary of, of burnout for sure yeah. I think it's a good thing as well like you said to maybe prepare your friends like tell them like listen for the next six months I'm really really busy on this project so don't send me tempting t invitations and yeah. like I, I love you guys but I'm just gonna focus on my business for the next six months and you know prepare a little bit you know? you, you're, abso you're absolutely <laughs> because right. if you're in the corporate world then you will con the other your friends will continue to yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> and and one more thing i want to add to to this talking about your friends is that um it's quite a lonely process mm. because yeah. for you to so previously when you're in your corporate job you could stay up till 2 3 a.m and wake up at 7 just plow through the day yeah. have a couple of coffees mm -hmm. as long as you show up and yeah. do the minimum required that week will pass mm -hmm. with doing your own business there is no you don't need to leave a perception you don't need to just show up mm. it, unless you wake up 100% switched on and you've got all what it takes to do what, what's needed it's not gonna work so this whole going out at night thing, with all your friends doing it and your friends calling you up and asking you to come and you keep saying no, no, no. The thing is that people in corporate don't get it. Yeah. They don't get it. You're, to them, you're just someone who's becoming a recluse. Mm -hmm. So one piece of advice I would give, which I wish I did before, was to surround yourself as much as you can with people doing the same thing. Yeah. Because it is... It's a very lonely process, and sometimes you question yourself, am I right? Mm. Am I doing, why the hell am I doing this? What am this? I doing? <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, yeah. I'm wasting my prime yeah. in waking up at six and doing Working, research yeah. while other people are, you know, yeah. enjoying their life. Yeah. Yeah. So if I had a group of three, four others who were doing the same yeah. thing, way easier yeah i agree and it's a process that both oscar and i have been through and my my businesses were online digital businesses so i was it was myself and the screen and like i say it is it's 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 lonely uh it's a lot of work and it, it is great to have other people in the same position just to sometimes just to bounce that idea off or just get that um validation saying yeah. you know are you feeling like this and someone else going yep I am absolutely like that. And you think, oh, okay, but you're still going, so I'll keep going. And uh, it, it comes back to this passion for the project that you're doing and the understanding that you're actually providing something uh, to of value to other people that I think helps you wake up with that 150% mentality to keep you going. Because there are dark days when you just think... Uh, you know, I want to go back. Or oh, yeah. Do I want to go <laughs> yeah. back? And as soon as, and I've said it a few times, and I think, no, I don't. <laughs> I really yeah. don't want to do that. But it, your brain does that because yeah. you're going through hardship, and you think, you know, it'd be so much easier just to take my paycheck again every month, get through the hard weeks just by being there and do the bare minimum. But I think once you switch over. Um, and we've talked about this a couple of times. It's a, I personally believe it is a mindset shift. Once you turn your mind to becoming a business owner or an entrepreneur, I don't think it's possible to turn it back. Well, one of the guys I follow, he says that once you get a taste of entrepreneurial and once you have some success, you become unemployable. You can never go back to work again. So, and I always want to share a quick story. I, I have a friend in Sweden that is a really hardworking entrepreneur and he, he has really, really high ambitions. But he lives in a small town in Sweden, really kind of on the countryside. And not the population is small and not many people there understand what he does. So I, I asked him this question, how do you deal with this? And he said, actually, that he listens to podcasts with inspiring entrepreneurs. So he follows... Tim Ferriss, he follows, he listens to this podcast, podcast from time to time. But because then he finds other people that are doing the same thing that 
he might not have a coffee with them, but he can listen to them and get inspired by them. So this is a little bit what this podcast is about, to help other people that may be in that struggling time to see that there is a end of the tunnel, there is a great reward, you know. So Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, guys, this interview is uh, getting deeper than I... <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about how you form a company and blah, 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 but like I feel I'm in a therapy session, <laughs> which is good. I think it's important because, that you know, and we will talk about it now in terms of this. It took you, you said like six months sort of from, I want to do this, doing a lot of the legwork, doing the research to then handing in the notice and going. Uh, you said you had hired a nutritionist. Um, yeah. are they, is that in partnership with you or is it that was the employee number one after you? How did it go in, in that? That was a freelancer. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I, I went out there and met a few people mm -hmm. and I clicked with her. So we uh, we started working on the project, wrote a brief and she started working on it. Oh, one, one more thing I want to add if we're on the advice to people who are starting. Uh, this project, by the way, was number four or five, which I had studied. Mm. Okay. So, uh, just so that, and this, by the way, is w one of the major things, look in re retrospect, which uh, helps people who, in, who, in who are in corporate and want to leave, that you do not necessarily need to do the first idea that comes to mind. Because I studied uh, owning a laundromat, right. uh, I studied uh, uh, supermarket business. Uh, I looked into a couple of other uh, ventures and by study I mean again back at the same point doing the legwork. Mm -hmm. So I used to spend my Fridays and go sit with the supermarket owner mm -hmm. go through the books and stuff because we were gonna invest in that. Uh, so the point is do not be disheartened if you do the study and it doesn't work out. It doesn't need to be this business. Yeah. It could be something. That's a great point. Very good point. Yeah. You don't have to fall in love with the idea. You can test it first. That, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As long as you're falling in love with, if you just set your mind to leaving my job and doing a business, you need to detach yourself emotionally from what that business needs to be. You're in love with having a business. Or at least that's what I did. Yeah. No, I agree with that 100%. It is, and it's an interesting argument because some people will say, "No, I, don't, I disagree. You need to set up a business that you're passionate about, that you what you know you want to do." Um, but I think that that's not always the case because sometimes knowing how much work goes into setting up a business, if you do your passion as a business, there's a very high risk that it won't be your passion anymore because you like it for a certain reason. And I think Oscar, you've talked about this mm -hmm. before with skiing. Yeah, is yeah, that yeah. you know? What was it you were saying? Yeah, yeah, like uh, skiing is one of my passions, but I don't want to turn that into a business because suddenly, you know, it's not my passion anymore. It's yeah. my work, kind yeah. of, you know. So uh, I keep that as, and I like to have that as a separate passion because then I can completely relax from yeah. my business. And so I think you should work with your strengths and if you can work with a passion as well, but there needs to be a monetary side, you know. Well, this is, I think that's the point, you know, with what you're saying, Mahmoud, is that you can actually... Um, and this is something we talk about in digital marketing, is actually find out what the market is looking for and then give them what they're looking for as opposed to having this hot, solid idea that, oh, I'm going to make this product or I'm going to do this. And then do all of that work and research and development and then build it or make it and then realize, oh, nobody wants it. Yeah. You know, it's very difficult to force somebody to buy something they don't actually want. It's very different to educate them about the fact that this is something that you might want to look at um, because of, and then of course you, you, you're demonstrating the value and so forth. So I think it's a great point. Yeah. Another thing with uh, with the research, for us, it seems like the trends, you know, they tend to come from US first and then they come from maybe Europe and maybe Asia. And then maybe one or two years later, they come here. So it's quite good also to check, okay, what is working over there, you know, and how can I tweak it to 
find a similar model here, you know. That's so such you were a good saying, point. You were That's saying that you were looking yeah. at the business model, was it in Europe or yeah, US? Yeah, Europe, US, Germany, yeah. it's all over. That's mm. a very good point yeah. because uh, unlike most entrepreneurs, I am not that brave to go and, you know, create a whole new concept. Mm. And so what I did was I studied uh, the a business model that's working. Uh, and as you said, we tweak it for the local market. Mm. The reason behind that is I use my life savings. Mm -hmm. So I basically put all my eggs in mm. one basket. And I don't want to have a basket that is an experiment. Mm. Uh, yeah. It has to be something that's proven to be financially viable. Yeah. Mm. So that transition then, you were in the corporate world, you had the idea, you did all the research, and then one day you set up the business that first week, how was it? Uh, so first week you wake up and you think, oh my God, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> you have the eight working hours ahead of you and you're used to going to the office, attending the morning meeting, checking your emails, but in my case there were no emails to check. So nobody's sending me anything and there's no morning meeting, there's no team, there's no office, there's nothing. So uh, the, first, the first step is you need to visualize what the end result should look like and you work back from that. So we need to have a cool box which has healthy snacks in it. Okay, box, what do you need? Branding, what do you need? Find someone to help you with that. So that's how you start developing your day-to-day -day tasks to achieve that end result. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and one, one more thing I want to add there as well is uh, the one critical point for people who are doing this jump is they need to have an Excel sheet. And that was my best friend, mm -hmm. my Excel sheet, which showed my cash flow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you don't want to run out of money mm. four months before you launch. Mm. You want to watch like a hawk how much money you have left in the bank, how much you spend every month, and when are you going to get hit the zero point. Now the second piece of advice is know where that point is, where your cash becomes zero, and then add six months. Because yeah. mm -hmm. you will always run out of cash. Yeah, and yeah. people told me that, I didn't listen. I thought, <laughs> no, I was working for a big company, I did financial uh, forecasting, it's not me, we're <laughs> just amateurs, yeah. Yeah, but no, you will run out of cash. And every, I think every entrepreneur we had on the podcast said the same thing. I've been there, and you've been there. Yeah. So. It is, and it's, it's always interesting the, the length of time people say to add on. When you think you're, you've got enough, yeah. you double it. When you think you're going to get it, add six months. It's always, yeah. you know, you, you need more than you think. because And, and then you'll be interesting to hear, did you do a business plan before you started? Yeah, so uh, having worked for a big blue chip uh, company, it was, I was basically trained to think that way. Yeah. So I wrote that, I sat down and wrote a business plan for myself. Yeah. And that was very useful because mm -hmm. you end up asking yourself questions through that format yeah. of the business plan that you would have otherwise not asked yourself mm -hmm. if you just go ahead and do it. Uh, so th this was important and also helped me when I came to request funding. Mm -hmm. So one more thing, which I forgot to tell you, that we just received our first round of funding. We just got our uh, our money uh, a week ago. That's brilliant! Congratulations, Mabruk. Yeah, that <laughs> That's super. That was a huge, huge uh, milestone yeah. uh, for us because it's going to help us move to the next mm -hmm. level. But back to the business plan. Uh, so sitting down and structuring your thinking like that, it helps you do a better job 
and it helps you in the sellability of the company. Mm. So when you come to pitch to investors, they will ask questions mm. that are in the business plan format. For example, who are your competitors? Mm -hmm. uh, what's your USP? Uh, mm. Is there any uh, replicatable model mm. uh, anywhere else? How did they succeed? So yeah. these questions, which in the in the heat of things, when the, in the enthusiasm of starting up, you don't think of. Yeah. Because you just see the idea, I want to do it, and you yeah. run. You don't stop and do this academic uh, exercise. Yeah. But it's so important to do so. I'm interested, with the business plan, has it been one of those documents that stayed static, or has it been something that's co changing constantly since day one? So I really wish I could say every three months we sit down and we review. No. <laughs> what happens in reality is that I made it for the day one, yeah. or in the first few weeks. And then it collected dust yeah. uh, until uh, until we went to request funding. Mm. Uh, but the thing is that throughout your journey, uh, you keep thinking of these of these things. Yeah. Did we put it to paper? We did not. No. no. And, that, and that's uh, the question. I'm, uh, I guess I was leading with that is that. It does change. I've always found that the business plan you put together before starting your business is great and useful for exactly those things that you said. But then as soon as you get your first customer, the business plan changes a little bit. And then as more customers come through the door, the business plan changes a little bit in terms of operationally because then you start to get feedback from your customers who say, I like this. I don't really like this. This was not that good. This was fantastic. And of course, you adapt on a, on a daily, weekly basis. Do you put it pen to paper? Not necessarily, but then in the next order that goes out, that little tweak has been done, the, the processing changes as the, 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 the supply changes as well. Um, and I think it's something that we just try to emphasize sometimes is that the business plan is a great tool, uh, but it's something that changes quite often, even if it's just in your mind as you're operationally running the business, you're like, oh, don't do that again, change this, move that. Uh, and then, like you say, when it comes to pitching for funding, you have a very clear picture of, this is it, this is where we are, and this is what we're doing. Were you, were you spying on us over the past two years? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like you're describing what happened to the, to, to the letter. Yes. <laughs> so when we first started with Munchbox, uh, the whole concept was, we will deliver online. Mm. It's purely an online business. You're sitting on your desk, you want to snack on something, you log on, you order, gets delivered, you subscribe, every week you get different snacks, and your snacking needs are covered. Reality turned out to be completely different. So uh, a few weeks into starting, after starting up, we started getting online orders, things are moving okay-ish, and then we got a call from uh, a major telecom, so do. We got a call from Do, and they want us to make corporate boxes for them, corporate mm, gifts right. to their employees. And they ended up ordering a huge amount, which basically moved the company to the next level. Right. So then we started shifting our focus on let's start approaching corporates. Yeah. That part started growing, so we got a few big names, uh, like uh, big, big names. Yeah. Uh, then some of the people who ordered, some of the companies that ordered these boxes and gave them to their employees, these employees tasted them with their families. Mm -hmm. Their families have some spouses and some husbands who work in retail outlets. So we started getting calls from retail outlets, hey, we'd like mm -hmm. to stock Munchbox. Right. So we ended up now, uh, we just got uh, Aswak and Spinney's, uh, and we are present in 103 
retail outlets across oh, the board. Fantastic. Yeah. And we started off as an online oh, business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then throughout this journey, then after we got stocked uh, in, in, in these many outlets, uh, a distributor from Qatar was visiting one of the cafes or having coffee in one of the cafes, saw the product, gave us a call. I went there to Doha, we had a meeting, and now we are present in Spinney's Qatar and in all over Doha, basically. Ah, excellent. Uh, so it's, uh, just like you said, you, 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 hit, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, you start off with a certain direction, and then the winds of change just blow you all over the place. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's great, and I think the most important thing there is that you have to just take that first step. You have to start. And people often ask that, when's the best time to start? Well, if you're thinking about it, now. Now is the best time yeah. to start. Cause but start with the research, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, uh, you know, absolutely. you don't have to resign immediately. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you yeah. were sharing. So, yeah, we're yeah. almost at the end. So, if you look at the future, what are you trying to accomplish this year? And where do you see Munchbox? What will the funding do for Munchbox now that you've yeah. received it? What's the next step? That's, that's a very good question. So... Uh, Keep your uh, radios tuned to 92FM. Okay. Uh, starting 29th of May, we're going to have the Munchbox uh, radio ad uh, on, which, uh, yeah, which the team designed together. Uh, we came up with the script, so uh, we'll, I hope you like it. Uh, that's to answer your question, where's yeah. the funding going? Uh, we're also uh, increasing our number of vans, because now we are facing a, uh, a serious problem where demand is way larger than our capability to fulfill that. Right. It's a good problem, it's a good problem to have. But <laughs> it is, but, but it gets scary once you start having outlets calling you and screaming and uh, telling you we're going to delist yeah. you, we don't want your product anymore. Mm. So that's, that's the scary part. So mm. we're increasing our fleet. Uh, we're also hiring more people to cope uh, mm. with the growth. Uh, and we're uh, basically taking the brand to the next level in terms of the variety of the snacks. Mm -hmm. Okay, excellent. So that's what, that's what we're doing. And to answer your other question, where do I see the future of Munchbox? Yeah. Uh, so our vision is to provide a healthy snack uh, to the GCC uh, mm -hmm. residents and, 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 uh, uh, and local people mm -hmm. everywhere. That means within arm's reach, in your cup holder, in your car, mm -hmm. on your desk, on your coffee table, uh, in a party, basically everywhere except in the toilet. Right. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. And and you know, having met you now a couple of times, Macmillan, and seen it, I'm I'm pretty sure that that will happen. Yeah, it will happen. Good. And um, you know, you were I know you were worried a little bit beforehand about the length of our episodes, and we we tried to keep them short and sweet for the for the commute in the UAE, and you already exceeded that time. Wow, okay. <laughs> it's been awesome to have you uh, join us. We'll, we will end it there. Oscar, yeah. was there anything you wanted to just say? To yeah, I just, uh, no, yeah, well, let's end it there. Yeah, that was uh, very interesting to hear your story. So we really appreciate that. Maybe one last, like, learning takeaway, what biggest takeaway from these two years when you set up to where you are now? What's the biggest? So the biggest, uh, the biggest learning and takeaway is you need to be mentally prepared to sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And do not start a business if you don't really want it. Because mm -hmm. otherwise it gets daunting, you fail, you, uh, you have setbacks, you have uh, suppliers letting you down. It's, there's a lot of setbacks you don't see as a corporate mm -hmm. uh, employee because you have a very solid, reliable organization around you. But when on your own, when you're on your own, 
if you don't really want it and you're not prepared to sacrifice a lot, don't do it. Great advice. Fantastic advice to end on. Uh, thanks again for, for joining us, Mahmoud. Really, really appreciate that. Um, as listeners know, this is a community podcast. It's went, meant for the benefit of the business community, SMEs and so forth on the ground here in the UAE. If you've enjoyed listening to it, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you have anybody in mind that you would like to hear us interview, please send us their details to wishlist at swenglanese.rocks. And we will see you next time. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Swanglinese with your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Endermo. We'll catch you next time.